Hello and welcome to this podcast episode where we'll be bringing bacteriophages in focus. I'm your host, Abby, the Senior Editor of Infectious Diseases Hub, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Alexander and Jamdem Agendia from the National Collection of Type Cultures, or NCTC, operated by Public Health England. Today we will be discussing what bacteriophages are, why there was a need for a collection of phages, and what the benefits are of making the collection accessible for the scientific community. So without further ado, let me introduce my guests today, Sarah and Jandem. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Could you please begin by introducing yourselves to our listeners and then telling me who the NCTC are? Hi, um, my name is Jandem Agendia. I first joined NCTC in the summer of 2018. Uh, I had recently just completed a, a master's project projects with the University of Hertfordshire working on bacteriophages. So I found this job um, ad. Um, they were looking for someone to revalidate their collection of bacteriophages here at NCTC. And it just jumped straight at me and I've been with them ever since. I will let Sarah introduce NCTC to you because she's the best person to do that. So um, my name's Sarah Alexander. I'm the lead microbiologist for Culture Collections. I curate the national collection of type cultures and I've been with um, Public Health England and its predecessor organisations for approximately 20 years. So NCTC is the national collection of type cultures. It's an absolutely unique bacterial strain collection and we believe it to be the oldest bacterial strain collection in the world that was specifically established to provide scientists with authenticated bacterial strains. It's now entering its centenary year, so it was founded in 1920. Um, it was originally set up at the Lister Institute in London um, using funding from the Medical Research Council. Um, the collection um, is quite a big collection. Um, it contains over 6,000 bacterial strains from 86 different bacterial families. Um, we're happy to accession anything into the collection that is of clinical relevance and by that we mean of either medical or veterinary importance so we're happy to accept path, um, pathogenic strains but also strains that might make up either the animal or the, the human microbiome. Um, it's the aim of the collection to provide reference and type strains to the scientific community that are both a, tr a trustworthy and authenticated source um, and we also supply um, uh, other products such as bacteriophages and nucleic acid products and we're not a static collection that's the other really important thing to remember we're very much a dynamic collection and we um, happily accept new strains into the catalogue every year. Thank you Sarah for that brilliant introduction to the NCTC. So what is a bacteriophage? So a bacteriophage or bacteriophage is a bacterial virus so bacterial specific viruses they were first discovered between 1915 and 1917. So the very first discovery was by um, an English physicist called Friedrich Twart, who in trying to culture the vaccinia virus on agar plates, which is the, the virus responsible, uh, primarily responsible for smallpox, um, found that uh, he, was seeing some transparent, um, what he thought at the time were 
bacterial contaminants on, on his plates. So in further investigating this, he, he found that even when diluted quite far down, we're able to still produce similar clear spots on other agar plates. So he, he just put his findings together, um, took note of his findings and didn't really think too much of it at the time. He kind of just put them on the side. But a couple of years later, um, another French Canadian scientist called Felix Durrell made a very similar discovery and he he then went on to investigate them further and he actually coined the term for them bacteriophage which is from greek for bacteria eater um, so just like viruses will infect plants and animals archaea fungi so do they also infect uh, bacteria and this is what bacteriophages are there are thought to be as many as 10 to the 31 of these occurring naturally in the biosphere um, so they are the most abundant entity really in the biosphere they have they have several applications in in biology from bacteriophage display um, which is essentially where you would uh, screen a, a library of proteins or peptides by fusing them onto phage particles. Uh, because they are so so specific, you could have quite a large number of them within a culture, and that would be a very high throughput process for screening for peptides. The, the very first gene, RNA genome and DNA genome to be fully sequenced were all of bacteriophages. Uh, I would imagine that most people would have heard of the the CRISPR um, technique in molecular biology today. That essentially is an adaptive form of prokaryotic immunity, um, whereby bacteria which have been exposed to uh, viruses which um, attack them develop a, a memory towards them, and they they will direct um, virus um, sorry enzymes called Cas9 nucleases to cleave the phage DNA upon repeat exposure to these these viruses. Um, without going into too much detail, um, bacteria. If you think of bacteriophages as an enemy or natural enemy to bacteria, so they will ultimately within the uh, a lytic cycle of a, um, a bacterial virus when it replicates result in the death of the host strain. So like any virus, they, they require a bacterial host to replicate and they will eventually result in the death of the host. So this maybe is arguably one of the um, most sought after uses of bacteriophages at the moment because they are, they are seen as a potential um, uh, therapy, if you like, towards pathogenic bacteria because of this property. Thank you for that great introduction to bacteriophages. So how did the NCTC come about building a collection of bacteriophages and why? So um, NCTC, as, I've, as we've previously discussed, is 100 years old. And what we do know about in NCTC is historically we have had bacteriophages which have been deposited with NCTC into the catalogue. 
Um, the reasons why people have de uh, deposited bacteriophages into NCTC is very interesting, but historically bacteriophages have been quite important in bacterial typing. Bacterial typing is a form of um, subspecies level bacterial identification. And it can be very useful in, uh, for example, um, trying to identify outbreaks of particular infections. And we know that there were um, phages which were deposited with NCTC by staff who actually worked um, at the time in the Public Health Laboratory Service who, who operated NCTC at the time. And they felt it would be really important to deposit the bacteriophages with NCTC because they were, they were important um, in their typing schemes. Um, today we'd like to widen that accessioning to um, accept phage deposits from anyone and scientists around the world who feel that their, um, their deposition would be of scientific interest and of scientific value. Um, the whole remit of NCTC is really to supply authenticated um, microbiological products to scientists and therefore if people feel that their bacteriophages are of scientific value we would welcome them into the catalogue. Brilliant, Sarah. Thank you. So why did Public Health England identify a need to relaunch its bacteriophage collection? So NCTC is very important for legacy building. So it's very hard to predict in the future what potential applications some of these microbiological um, products could, could serve. So I think there are bacteriophage are how they're being utilised today, how they're utilised in the past and how they're utilised in the future is a very important part of capturing scientific history. So we know that bacteriophage used to be available from NCTC and they were deposited um, within the catalogue because they're of scientific value. We also know, and Joandam's already covered, that we there were lots of potential applications for bacteriophage. We know that they're important in science for a number of different reasons and we cannot predict how important they may be in the future for different applications. So therefore if people are studying um, bacteriophages as part of their work, a part of their science, and that might be just to look at kind of bacteriophage diversity, it might be to look at bacteriophage as a tool in, in um, overcoming a pathogenic infection, um, it might be the use of that bacteriophage as you know a basic science experiment about replicating or it may be um, again as part of bacterial typing scheme if, if they feel that their, their, their phage is of scientific value that it might be useful for future generations to have access to these strains or indeed it might be useful for other scientists to, to have access to these strains so that they can reproduce or build on their work then we feel it's important to, to put that into a, a recognised bacterial, bacterial collection where people can access it, not only now, but also in the future. We know that bacteriophages are of increasing notoriety, so they'll be available for future research and, and for current research. That's great, Sarah, thank you. John, then, did you want to weigh in on that question as well? Yes, Sarah, Sarah has answered it beautifully, so there's not a lot that I can add to it, but... If I were to add anything, um, it would just be to say that um, NCTC identified that um, sort of potential uh, interest in, in, in bacteriophages. There's been a spike in interest in them in more recent years. So over the past decade or so, um, scientists have become more interested in them. And they identified that as a need. Um, mainly towards um, sort of bacterial, anti, uh, um, multi-drug resistant bacteria. Um, 
a lot of bacteriophage biologists are looking into the, the potential, tapping into that potential. So I think that because NCTs is phages, as Sarah has rightly said, were put into the collection with that remit of typing bacteria, this shift is now towards, well, what else is there to do? Because we've now moved on from that sort of historical use of them for typing, because um, there's other um, more current ways of typing bacteria now, but we've now moved on from that. But NCTs is far just being so historical, so having been there for such a long time, um, needed revalidating, re-authenticating, re so re-characterizing them. So that was where that need for this project arose. And we are now in a position to say, well, look, we are here, we've got this um, bacteriophages in the collection. We are opening it up to scientists to access this. We are not saying here that we have a phage therapy or we have any licensed phages for therapy or anything like that. But we are saying for those scientists that want to know more um, about bacteriophages, even if it's to do with the, the interactions with their hosts, um, within the communities that they live in naturally, we are just telling the community, the scientific community that we are available and accessible. So um, yeah, that's, that's why I think PHE identified that need. That's great, John Dem, thank you so much. So what bacteriophages are in the collection and what do we know about them? Yes, so uh, we've got three main genera within the uh, current collection um, in NCTC. There's roughly a hundred of, of them, hundred bacteriophages in the collection, and a majority of them belong to um, Staphylococcus aureus. Uh, we've also got a small number of Campylobacter phages, and about a third of the collection is um, uh, Streptococcus phages. So there's, um, we've, we've been able to use methods to characterize these, including uh, transmission electron microscopy to determine bacteriophage morphology. Uh, we've also used um, a panel of hosts, bacterial hosts, to, to see the infectivity for each bacteriophage against those different bacterial hosts, because unlike what maybe was initially thought that, well, bacteriophages kind of have a narrow host range. So usually you would only have a limited number of bacteriophages that will infect any bacterial strain. But having tested these against a sort of panel, we are able to then see whether you, 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 for any given bacteriophage, there's other hosts other bacterial strains that it will infect and that that information can be quite useful and being the sort of um, collection that we are having a very wide ha having that access to quite a wide um, um, variety of bacterial strains it's sort of the perfect place really to characterize this. That's great thank you so much Randem. So what are the benefits to making this collection accessible for the scientific community? So yeah, like I've mentioned, and, and Sarah has mentioned um, previously, there, there has been a spike in research interest in phages for over a decade or so. Um, so it's just making scientists aware um, that we have a collection of bacteriophages because um, 
up until recently, we, we were not really sort of in the limelight with these bacteriophages. So we are tr just trying to raise awareness that we are here um, and that people can access these phages because there is a lot that still needs to be unraveled about um, bacteriophage and host interactions. Um, this will help to close some of the gaps in knowledge about phages and how they interact with their bacterial communities. Um, in all of the excitement about the potential use of bacteriophages as um, a therapy or as a solution to antimicrobial resistance, very important um, uh, information can get sort of lost in translation. And what I want to highlight here, when, when I was introducing bacteriophages at the, at the start, um, I did talk about one of the um, methods of replication being um, the lytic cycle. So you also have bacteriophages that will adopt the, what you call the lysogenic life cycle to replicate. And these, these temperate phages, unlike their, their lytic counterparts, which will take hold of the host and um, take hold of the, the, the host machinery and start to replicate viral proteins for themselves and then eventually um, the capacity of the the host cell cannot contain any more new virons so it then lyses and releases new virons which are in in the medium looking for the next victim to infect with the lysogenic cycle you have a situation situation where the bacteriophage will insert its genome which will just um integrate in itself into be it the bacterial chromosome or the plasmid and just in a sort of quiet state just sit there not really causing any harm and every time that the virus replicates uh, that the bacterial host cell replicates so does the viral genome and this just gets passed on from generation to generation it's it's been well documented, it's well known in research that these temperate phages have a tendency to confer onto their hosts certain properties that will help their um, survival. So for instance, antimicrobial resistance genes and virulence genes have been known to be transduced by temperate phages. So in, in all of the excitement about the potential that viruses or bacterial viruses have in solving the problem or the dilemma of antimicrobial resistance strains, we shouldn't lose sight of these other aspects of research. So um, I think that making these uh, uh, viruses in our collection accessible to sciences is a good thing because we want to see more data accompanying all of the research. We want to see um, as much information out there as possible. And then maybe we will be able to then confidently move from that step of saying, okay, um, we are ready to see other uses of bacteriophages. So Sarah, what would you say to the phage scientists that are listening about why they should deposit with NCTC? So I think this is probably the most important question. And I think by making research accessible to people, it enhances the credibility of scientific research. If you want to deposit your phages with NCTC, what you're doing is effectively you're depositing in, a, in an established, recognised and reputable culture collection. And we know that culture collections are really important in preserving scientific and biological material longitudinally over time. 
by depositing NCTC, we know that the phages will be authenticated. As Joandam said, we um, are doing a lot of work on EM Im imaging. Um, we're happy to collaborate with that with our depositors if they want access to those sorts of facilities. We'll be doing some genomic sequencing. We'll be characterizing the phages, but most importantly, we'll be freeze drying them and preserving them indefinitely. I anecdotally was having a conversation with a colleague some time ago, and he was very interested in um, gaining access to some strains um, of bacteriophage that infect Acetinobacter, which is a genus of pathogenic bacteria. And he was getting very frustrated because there are over 100 published phages for Acetinobacter, but almost all of them have been lost to science because he can't no longer access them. So he's gone back to the authors of the papers and either the scientists have moved on or they've changed the institution or they just simply lost those phages in their freezer. They, they weren't catalogued or inventory, so they just simply weren't retrievable. And the good thing about depositing in something like NCTC is, you know, we're very much set up to, to host these to, to have these strains in our catalogue, we'll look after them. And, and, and we have a, a succession plan in place that will ensure that, that they will be accessible to future generations of scientists. We, we know that our, our culture collection is over 100 years old. We fully believe it will be here in another 100 years. And we don't know, as we've said, there are many applications of these phages that, that will be important in the past, in the future, and certainly now. Um, the other really important thing about depositing NCTC is we're very much set up for worldwide dispatch. So sometimes dispatching microbial products can be um, quite problem, um, problematic. There's certainly a lot of legislations for global distribution of bacteria and, and indeed bacteriophage. Um, and certainly we're set up, we have a full-time logistics scientist who's used to getting biological packages around the world. She knows the legislation and we, we, we can happily take that job on you. I think it's important to remember if you do publish in the scientific literature as a gesture of goodwill and indeed some of the um, requirements for authors is that you know you make your biological material accessible to people who request it. Now this can be quite difficult for people to do if they're not used to setting up um, to dispatch this material around the world. So if you dispatch, if you deposit with us, it, A, it's free, and B, we can do that component of your responsibility for you. And we can do that either as a collaboration or we can do that um, as part of our routine um, a remit and and we can provide that strain back to you free of charge so if you change institutions or you don't have the ability to freeze your material you can deposit with it with us and you can request it again in 20 years time when you can't find it and we, we can send that back to you so it's very much a symbiosis you know it's a symbiotic relationship it's not it's not one where we take people's material and you know they don't have any benefits from it it's something that you know i feel very much benefits the scientific community as well and supports scientific accessibility and reproducibility which is a very important component of science that's brilliant if i were a phage scientist i'd definitely deposit with nctc yeah, I love open science and I really can't see any downside to depositing. That's great. And I'm really sorry to put you both on the spot now, but I was wondering if either of you had a final statement for our listeners. Okay, just my final thoughts. Uh, um, just in line with what Sarah has said, we just want to make scientists out there aware that um, we are very open as a collection. We, in fact, have started accepting the positions. Um, it is very exciting for us here. We've got 6,000 bacterial strains 
it would be great to grow our um, collection of bacteriophages to as as big as that, if not even more, because it is it is known that for every strain of bacteria out there, there's at least one bacteriophage that will infect it. So there isn't a scarcity of bacteriophages out there. But obviously, as Sarah has said or mentioned earlier, we are looking for things of relevance like anything obviously which has that sort of interest or potential. Um, scientists think this can be um, a, a good one to put into a collection. Just contact us and we are very willing. We will support the whole process and we are here for you guys. In 2020, NCTC will be 100 years old. We're very much still supplying strains that were deposited within the collection by forward-thinking scientists over 100 years ago. We know that scientists spend a lifetime often studying one or two different strains of bacteria, and then unfortunately they're lost to science. So I think today it's really important to reflect on that and to encourage people who are spending a lifetime studying bacteriophage and indeed their host strains to consider leaving a legacy to science and depositing in NCTC. Those are great closing statements and thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah and Joandem. It's been incredibly insightful. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself and I've learned so much as I hope our audience have too. Thank you for having us, Abigail. It was really good sharing our thoughts and I hope that the passion that we have here in NCTC came across. Thank you very much um, for listening. And if people are interested to hear a little bit more about us or indeed our collection, we'd encourage you to um, visit our website or you can follow us on Twitter at NCTC underscore 3000. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can find more resources on phages on our latest in focus at www.id-hub.com. Bye.